Welcome, everyone, to the Bread of Life. I'm Joel Van Hoogen. I'm the Bible teacher at the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho, and I'm the executive director of the International Outreach and Discipleship Ministry, Church Partnership Evangelism. For the last 30 years, we've had ministry expressions in over 70 countries. You can learn more about the effective manner in which we are raising up national evangelists, disciple makers, and church planters by going to cpeonline.org or traincpe.org. I hope you will. Your prayers and your gifts are used of God to sustain this work. Let's turn now to continue a consideration from 1 Kings chapter 18 of Elijah's confrontation with Israel in their idolatry. In our day, it may be hard to think that we bow before images and worship them and find our worth there. It may be hard to think that way until you take a good look at all the people around you with their heads bowed in hallowed attention to focus upon the images projected in their social media accounts, gleefully satisfying themselves with a new record level of likes or social media views thinking hard about the next offering they may make to gain further affirmation of the truths that they have crafted and put forward to others. Folks, idolatry is alive and well in our day, and it's capturing away hearts from the God who made all things and calls all to worship Him alone. We live in an age where God and gods are both dismissed, and as a result, oftentimes, we refuse to consider the reality of idols, but I, I actually think that it may be that we're living in the most idolatrous of times, where they're being proliferated in, and visually being proliferated before us all the time. You, you think we don't have idols because you can't find the, the structure, that stone thing that people bow down to? but then you sit down in your home and everybody gathers around the screen of their phone, sifting through it constantly, and then posting a picture of themselves for everybody to see to show that they're actually, they're actually being actualized in the same thing that everybody else is pursuing, and you don't think that's idolatry at some point in time? That you're not, my sister calls it curating an image, building some image all around us, flashing constantly image after image after image, more than any other generation has ever known. What if they're all idols? Things that we're gathering around and believing somehow out of them we extract our fulfillment and the enemy who works visually comes along and gives you some level of fulfillment in it and prompts somebody to push a like button to something you've said or whatever it is and feeds you along as you move away an inch away from seeking all of your life and every bit of pleasure that might be available to you in your utter abandonment and surrender and obedience to God. And every ounce of any kind of power that might be known to you might come as you humbly and completely yield yourself completely before the God of all creation as his servant. Osgenes says the modern knowledge is too rational to deal with the imaginations of the heart but the image-making and idol-making of the heart goes on unchanged. And as a result, modern man continues to construct idols every day, and I think at a more rapid pace than ever before, but they are no longer able to willingly or critically address them. And if this idol-making is going on in the world around us, it's going on in the church as well, and in the Christian life as well, and we need to be all the more careful. But again, 
How can you identify where an idol has taken control of your life? And let me just give you again this simple answer. Where you live in a consistent state of disobedience to the will of God, there is an idol who is claiming your life. There is an idol that you are serving and bowing before. For if you will not serve and bow before the God of all creation in the universe, you will bow to a lesser God. Let me give you one other test for idolatry, and it's this. Another demonstration that you might have an idol in your life. One of the ways to detect if something is an idol is to find out if it's impacting the development of your character and who you are. In Psalms 115 verse 8, we're told that those who make idols will, quote, be like them, and so will everyone who trusts in them. Idols somehow shape our character. Whatever you project yourself upon to get your pleasure and your power and the place where you celebrate your own independence from God by going to these things, these things that are empowered by spirits and evil spirits of our age, these things will begin to shape who you are. Actually, your character will always be shaped by what you're worshiping and serving. The idea, the concept, the thing that you worship and serve will mold who you are. This is part of the reason why God hates idolatry. Because God is jealous. And God claims the sole right to give shape to our lives. He's actually expressed what it is His will is. His will is that we might all be holy even as He is holy. His expressed and declared will and purpose for us is that He might conform us into the image of His Son who He wants to exalt forever and ever and ever and to be exalted in our lives and our surrender and our obedience to Him. He wants us to be like Jesus. And God knows we will be like the one we worship and we serve. You read your Bible. God is revealing Himself there. You study the life of the Lord Jesus, who the Word of God says is the exact representation of God's being. Are you worshiping Him? Are you serving Him? Are you obeying Him? Here's how you'll know. Is he shaping the person that you're becoming? Are you predominantly being shaped by his life and his presence and his example in your life, by his spirit at work within you? Or is your life predominantly being shaped by the ideologies and assumptions and desires and dreams and promises of wish fulfillment projected in the images around you? offered by the spirit of the age in which you live, which is a spirit of idolatry. The people of Israel are torn, by the way. They know that Yahweh is their God, and they're the people of Yahweh, but they also know that they've been serving these other gods, Baal and Asherah. They can't say anything to refute what Elijah is saying and suggesting that they have not settled down. They have been serving the Baals. But the time has come for them to stop hopping between the two to identify what's going on and what's happening and the idol-making that's gone in their nation. And the time has come for them to choose who they will settle upon, whether they're going to settle upon Baal or whether they're going to settle upon God. Here's a question for us. What do we do to settle in upon God? What do we do to build our nest upon Him? Well, this has to be addressed by an act of your will. Idolatry rises out of your own will to govern your own lives and it must be defeated 
in your will as well. You must let either the idols formed in your rebellious wills and your own self-seeking imaginations infused by the dark powers of this world be set aside or you must let them rule. You must choose to bow before them or bow before and worship God alone. And these little gods, by the way, these little idols can be shaped at any point in our lives. They are shaped where we're at work. They're shaped where we're at play. They take shape in our homes, in our thought life, in our entertainments, in our studies, in our conversations, in our culture, in our idle time. In everything where we encounter the world with a desire for self-control, where we encounter the world in that desire for self-control with our own imaginations, idol-making imaginations. Idols are just waiting to be formed. It will take an act of complete surrender, an act of complete obedient abandonment to the will of God to break free from these things. In all these areas, God wants to be God. God wants to be obeyed. God wants to be the one shaping and molding us and he wants to direct and rule our imaginations and our creative energies so that they may be used to glorify him and honor him and serve him in all that we do and wherever you encounter the world, wherever you encounter other individuals, wherever you encounter yourself, you have to live with your wills engaged. There has to be a decision point in all these places that God will be ruling as God over you in every moment. He'll dictate the pace of your life. He'll dictate the terms of how you live. You will not assimilate with this age. You will not accommodate the idols of the world in which you live in. You will not, as they become understood by you, even associate with them. But going that far will not be going far enough. It's not simply some determination, turn away from the idol-making of your age and the idol-making of your own heart, you know. Flee idols, but that won't be good enough. You'll have to flee idols to bow down before God. You'll have to confess to Him your waywardness and your rebelliousness. But that won't be enough either. And so what we'll see here is that, and we'll talk about this later, as they're confronting this decision, it's not enough to say, well, we'll worship Yahweh and we won't worship the Baals. That decision has to be made around an altar where a sacrifice is made where the sin of their idolatry is brought under the redemptive work of God, where they find cleansing and forgiveness and renewal. It's right for us to identify the idolatry in our life, but if then the commitment is, I'm just not going to do that anymore. I'm going to follow and obey God. You, you haven't gone far enough. You have to go before the altar, the sacrifice that God has made for you and His Son, Jesus Christ, where His blood was shed in your place. And the sacrifice was made. It's not simply saying, you know, the sacrifice God made is just to try to be better and not do these idolatrous things. No. You go to the place where Jesus has died for your sins. And there before his saving work, you bow down and surrender and say, this is my God. My God is the one who has offered a sacrifice for my sinful, idol-making heart. And this is the one who has accepted the sacrifice that was made on my behalf so that I may be forgiven and I may be restored and I may be reconciled, and I may be blessed in his presence, and I may from him alone find all of my pleasures, and I may from him alone find what power he gives to that one who is broken before him. Let's do that right now. Let's bow our heads. God, help us to be discerning 
Help us to be attentive in the creep and the proliferation of uh, the idols of the world in which we live in. The um, manner which man's religious projections are placed upon these things for their fulfillment. These things to answer for them and to make them feel better about themselves. God, help us to see these things. Not to bow before them and eat the food that's been offered to these idols. Dear God, help us to bow before you. Feast at the table you offer us of your own life shed for us. The sacrifice of your life given for us that we might live in your fullness. Dear God, we confess the independent nature of our hearts seeking for ourselves what only you can deliver and how dangerous it is to us Oh, Jesus, thank you for a better answer in a way. And we thank you, dear God, that you forgive idolaters. You, you forgive them and you cleanse them. and You make them new. And we thank you that your spirit still points them out. And by the spirit, we may destroy these things. Every imagination that lifts itself up against you. Everything in our own hearts and minds that lifts itself up against your good purposes. Guide us in these things. Well, thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest you go to one of two websites. Go to traincpe.org to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Or to learn about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.